How many of you have ever been lost? Now, hold on, before you answer the question, I don't mean man lost. I mean, like, actually lost. Now, if you don't know what man lost is, let me share with you what man lost is. Man lost is when you uh, have no idea where you are, but you cannot tell your wife, girlfriend, or significant other where you are, uh, that you are lost uh, for fear of uh, everything. Uh, so that is man lost. That's when you don't say you're lost. That's just when you fake it until you figure out where you are and then where you're going. Now, when I say lost, I'm talking like so lost that Google Maps shuts itself down and says, dude, you're on your own. Anybody ever been that lost? Few brave souls say, and no man hands went up. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, ha, ha, ha. Anyway, uh, I have been lost in my life. There have been times when I've been lost. One time was last year when we went to Florida. We went to Florida earlier this year, but we also went to Florida last year. And we were going to be going out to dinner for my wife's birthday in a restaurant in Tampa. We were staying in Orlando, and uh, we have our rental car, and we get in the rental car. We drive to Tampa to go to this really nice, fancy restaurant, Italian restaurant called Donatello, highly recommended. Uh, Waiters and tuxes, the whole deal. All right, so this is like not where we normally go. Uh, And so we we go there to celebrate my wife's birthday, and uh, we're driving to Tampa. It is about an hour and five-minute drive from uh, where we were staying in, in our condo uh, that we rented in Orlando to the restaurant. Hour and five minutes. We're about 45 minutes down the road. We should be there in 30 minutes. Should be. Should be in 30 minutes, according to Google Maps. And Google Maps said, get off on this exit. And being the obedient map follower that I am, I got off on that exit. And somehow we ended up in Bradenton, Florida, which, by the way, is nowhere near Tampa. And I was so frustrated with Google Maps, I nearly threw my $1,000 cell phone out. I didn't, but I nearly threw my $1,000 cell phone out the window because I was so frustrated with Google Maps for lying to me and getting me lost. You know, and, and here's the thing is that our reservations were like 6.30, and we were going to get there like 6.20, so 10 minutes, because Sean likes to be early. Sean hates to be late. And sure enough, I had to call the restaurant, the restaurant, and I had to tell them that we were going to be an hour late. I mean, just, I'm lost, and I'm late. And honestly, uh, if a meteor had hit the car at that time, it would have been fine with me, because I hate being lost, I hate being late. Uh, The only thing that redeemed the whole night was we go in and we eat our meal. And it was a great meal. It was a good time, you know, with my family. And it was just a great meal. And then we come out and there's these two, like, you know, goober chump guys standing outside, you know, looking at my family going, eh, what a bunch of losers, you know. And, and it's valet parking. And all of a sudden, they pull up in our rental car, which was a $50,000 infinity. And so they pull up and these guys are like, whoa. I'm like, that's right. Put my sunglasses on, got behind the wheels, <laughs> and uh, I felt really cool, like for once in my life, and not like telling that story. Anyway, so, um, but I, I've been lost, and, and I, I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm not afraid to admit the fact that I have been lost in my life. There have been times when I've been lost, and here's the thing. I think we've all been lost. Maybe not physically, and maybe you won't admit it, that you were physically lost at some point in your life. But I think that you might be willing to admit that you've been lost, you felt like you've been lost emotionally. Anybody ever felt lost emotionally? Where you just feel like you don't know where you're going and you feel like you have no idea what you're doing. Your world is caving in around you, crashing in around you, and you just feel lost. You put your faith in someone, you put your trust in someone, you believed what they said, and and then they turned their back on you. Or they lied to you. 
and you just feel lost emotionally. Or maybe you felt lost spiritually. Anybody ever feel lost spiritually? When you thought for sure that you had all the answers and you thought for sure that you knew what was up and then the, the rug got pulled out from underneath you and it just shook you to your core and it shook your faith. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you feel lost emotionally. Or maybe you feel lost spiritually. And maybe you're saying, you know what? I don't even know why I'm here. I feel lost physically. How did I end up in the church? But maybe somebody invited you. And you said, you know what? What the heck? I'll give it one more try. I'll give it one more shot. I used to go to church when I was a kid. And, and now that I'm older and, and I just see, all I see is hypocrites and, and judgment but I'll give it one more shot. I'll give it one more chance. I'll give it one more opportunity, and you're here today. And I am so thankful that you're here. Or maybe you're at the end of your rope, and you're just saying, I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can, I can do one more day, but I'll, I'll come to church today. And I want you to know I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're still around. And I hope that you'll stick around. I honestly hope that you'll stick around. And I believe that God hopes that you'll stick around. That God wants you to stick around. No matter what you're going through, I want you to know that this is a church family. And as family, we help each other. And we encourage each other. And we strengthen each other. And we build each other up. And so if you feel lost, if you feel lost emotionally, if you feel lost spiritually, I want you to know that you can find your way. And that this is a great place to find the way. So what we're going to do today is we're going to continue in this series that we started last week on Easter weekend called Jesus Is. And this series is based on seven statements that Jesus made about himself that begin with the words, I am. And so last week we talked about how Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And it was the story of how Jesus raised his friend Lazarus back to life. And so today we're going to look at another one of these I am statements, and we're going to look at a total of seven of these over the next several weeks, uh, these statements Jesus made about himself and the stories that go along with them. So today's statement that Jesus makes about himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're going to talk about what, that, what those words mean, uh, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, I want to kind of set the scene for you a little bit. Uh, Jesus and his disciples are in an upper room in Jerusalem. And they are, uh, this is the night before Jesus is crucified. And, and so they're meeting, uh, and Jesus is going to institute the Lord's Supper. Uh, and before he does that, though, he washes his disciples' feet. Now, that may not sound like the worst thing in the world. To me, it does. But uh, it, you got to remember this. They didn't have sidewalks, and they didn't have paved roads. They had dirt, and they walked on dirt everywhere. And they didn't have Air Jordans or nice shoes. They had sandals, or they went barefoot. And so everywhere they went, they were getting their feet dirty and dusty and funky, and it was a warm climate, right? And so everywhere they went, their feet were filthy. And it was the job of the lowest servant in the house to wash the feet of guests. Only there was no servant to wash the feet. 
So Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the God of creation, the God who, who created everything around us, the, the King of the universe, he gets down, he wraps a towel around himself, and he washes the feet of his disciples. What's amazing about this is he washes all of his disciples' feet. He doesn't come to Judas and go, oh, by the way, you're going to betray me, so wash your own feet. He doesn't do that. He washes the feet of the man who would betray him. Jesus kind of starts telling them about what's going to happen to him, and he says he's going to die. And the disciples start to wonder what's going on. He says one of his own, one of his own disciples, one of his own followers, Judas, would betray him. Then it was Judas who would turn him in to the authorities. And then he says one of his closest friends, one of his best friends, Peter, is going to deny the fact that he even knows Jesus. In fact, he's going to deny knowing him three times. Could you imagine if your best friend, how many of you have a best friend? I have a best friend. Could you imagine if your best friend denied knowing you? I mean, said that they just didn't know you at all. That you said, you know, it's like, hey, you, you know Sean Cornette, right? Nope, no idea who you're talking about. What? I, I saw you guys having, having lunch at the Grindhouse last week. Nope, that chump? I have no idea who that guy is. What are you talking about? You, he's over at your house all the time, playing with your dog. What are you talking? I, I don't know who you're talking about. That's what Peter did to Jesus three times. Denied the fact that he even knew him. And he was one of his closest friends. And the disciples are troubled. The disciples are worried. They're like, what is going on here? What are you talking about, Jesus? Well, we're going to get into this story in just a little bit of what Jesus responds with. But I want to tell you a couple things about the, the book of John. And uh, This is where we're at is the book of John. It's a biography of Jesus written by one of his close friends, John, one of his disciples. And uh, it's one of four gospels or one of four biographies. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm sure you've heard of these guys. And uh, in the book of John, one of the most important concepts is this concept of life. And we talked about that last week, that the word life appears 41 times in the, in the English translation of the, of the Bible. So 41 times this word life appears. But not only that, uh, there's another important concept that we're going to talk about today, and it's the concept of truth. And the word truth appears 23 times in the English translation of the Bible. 23 times the word truth appears. Now, to kind of give you a, an idea of uh, where this is with regard to the other um, Gospels, the word truth only appears four times combined in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but 23 times in the Gospel of John. So this is an important concept to John. And, and it, it occurs in, in several places, like I said, 23. The first time is in John 1.14 where John wrote the word, that's Jesus, he became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What's amazing about Jesus is that he was a perfect combination of grace and truth. That he was a perfect combination of love, of God's love and truth. That Jesus could tell you the truth, but he, but he would do it in a loving way. Jesus would tell you the truth, and he would tell you, in a loving way. Now, that's important that Jesus could tell you the truth in a loving way. In fact, I think a lot of churches need to learn how to do that. A lot of Christians need to learn how to do that, how to tell the truth in a loving way. And sometimes the most loving thing we can tell somebody is the truth, but how we do it says a lot about who we are as people and who we are as Christians. So we need to show, we need to tell people the truth, but we need to do it in a loving way because that's what Jesus did. 
Uh, another instance where this word truth appears is in John 8, 31 and 32. You may have heard this phrase before. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you follow my teachings, if you follow uh, what I say, if you obey my teachings, then you truly are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, in, uh, later in the Gospel of John, he, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. That the Spirit that lives within us is the Spirit of truth. And in John 17, 17, Jesus was praying on behalf of all believers. And Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus identifies the word of God as the word of truth. And finally, in John 18, 37 and 38, Jesus is uh, before Pilate, the Roman governor, and he was sentencing him to death. And he asks him if he's a king. And Jesus replied, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate asks probably one of the most poignant questions in history. When he says, what is truth? And that's a question people still ask today. People still want to know what is the truth? And what is true? And what can I believe? And what is really true? And I believe the answer is found in Jesus. If you have a Bible, turn to John 14. If you didn't bring one, it's all right. You can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 763. And we're going to look at John 14, 1 through 6 uh, for about the next 10, 15 minutes or so. And uh, we're going to talk about what this passage means. Like I said, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. And he can tell that they're troubled. He just told them Judas is going to betray him. Peter's going to deny him. And he's going to die. And Jesus' disciples are troubled. So Jesus offers them these words of comfort when he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Now what's interesting about this verse is that he can tell they're troubled, and this word troubled means deeply distraught. He says, do not let your hearts be deeply distraught. You believe in God, you should also believe in me. Because you believe in God, you should also believe in me. And this concept of this, of this idea of, of believing in God is not just a, a one-time belief. It's keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on believing in God. Don't stop believing. Even if you're just a small-town girl living in a lonely world. Don't stop believing. Sorry. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And so Jesus tells him, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to go and, and prepare this place for you, because in my Father's house there are many rooms. Now notice, he doesn't say there are many mansions. There's one mansion, there's one house. And it's got many, many billions of rooms in it. And the key is, is that in God's house, we all have a place. Everyone's got a place in God's house. Everyone has a home with God. And everybody gets to be close to him. It's not like, uh, where's Sean? Well, you know, he lives over there on, you know, on Pine Street here in heaven. No, no, he lives here in the house with God and all of us. It's one big house. We all live there forever. Look forward to that day, amen? So Thomas then asks Jesus a question in verse 5. Thomas said to him, 
Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Thomas has the guts to ask the question that nobody else would ask. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how do we get there? We have no idea what you're talking about. This is a common theme of the disciples throughout the Gospels. They had no idea what Jesus was talking about. But when he was raised from the dead, it all made sense. And so Thomas asked this question, Lord, where are you going? And Because we don't know how to get there. How can we know where you're going if we don't know the way? And then Jesus replies with these very famous words in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are four truths in this statement, in this verse. Four truths that Jesus shares with his disciples. The first is, I am the way. Now notice, Jesus does not say, I am a way. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. We'll get to those in just a second. But the first one is, is I am the way. And I want to teach you a little bit of Greek today. Uh, the New Testament was written in ancient Greek. And the ancient Greek word for way is the word hados. Can you say hados? Hados, very good. It was very nice. You paid attention. Thank you for paying attention. Hados is a word that means road or highway. And it is a word uh, that, that Jesus uses to describe himself as the way. In other words, he says, I am the way. I am the road. I am the highway that leads to life. And there is no other road. People will tell you, I believe there are many roads that lead to God. Not according to Jesus. According to Jesus, there is one road, and it's him. And that's it. You know, I like what Pastor Greg Laurie of Harvest Church out in California says when he says, uh, people say all roads lead to God. I believe that all roads lead to God, he says, but only one road leads to heaven, and that's through Jesus. All roads will lead you to God's judgment seat. All roads will lead you to the day of judgment. Everyone's going to stand before God in judgment, but only one road leads to heaven, and his name is Jesus. So Jesus is the hados. Then he also says that he is the truth. And the Greek word for truth is aletheia. Can you say aletheia? Aletheia is the word for truth. Now you know the word, Greek word for truth. It'll be on the quiz later. There's, there's no quiz. Uh, but aletheia is the Greek word for truth. And it is the opposite of falsehood or the opposite of lies. And so when Jesus says that he is the truth, he is saying that he will never lie to you. Jesus will never lie to you. He will always tell you the truth. Jesus will always tell you the truth because he is the truth. We'll get into that in just a second. Finally, Jesus says that he is the life. And the Greek word for life is zoe. Can you say zoe? It sounds like the name zoe, right? Well, that's where it comes from is this word zoe, which means life. And life can have two connotations. One is physical life, like breathing in and breathing out and, and blood coursing through your veins and your heart beating and your brain waving. You know, so uh, that is one definition of life. But the other is this transcendent notion uh, of life, this life force, this, this consciousness that we have, this life. Uh, when we think about life, that, uh, that's the kind of life that Jesus is talking about, an abundant life, an overflowing life, a, a rich life that only he can offer. And that's the zoe. So Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And then he says this fourth true statement, no one comes to the Father except through me. And where's the Father? The Father's in heaven. And so no one gets to heaven, Jesus says, except through me. And that's it. And that's the truth. Because Jesus will always tell you the truth. He will never lie to you. 
And so when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one gets to heaven except through me, he means it. And that's what makes our job as Christians, those of us who follow Jesus, that's what makes our job so important. It's what makes our job as a church, what we do as a church, so important. Because if we believe this, and here at GFCC we believe this, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And if we believe this, if we truly believe this, then we have a job to do. We have people who need to hear this, people in our lives, people who we care about, people we love and we cherish, who need to hear this news that they can have forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And it's good news, but he's the only way they can, they can be saved. He's the only way they can, that we can get to heaven is through Jesus. So what does this mean for us? I mean, and if Jesus is the, the Hados, the Aletheia, and the Zoe, what does that mean for us? Well, it means the same thing it means for us that it did for the disciples. That Jesus is still the way. He is still the only way to be saved. He's the only way to have forgiveness. And so it means the same thing for us, that Jesus is the way. There are not many ways that lead to heaven. There's only one, and that's through Jesus Christ. And so if you want to know Jesus, if you want to grow in faith, if you want to have a deeper relationship with God, I believe that there's a, a, a spiritual map that you can follow to get there. And we call it GPS. Here at GFCC, we call it GPS. And, th- and it stands for Grouping, Praising, and Serving. And so when we talk about grouping, we talk about being in a connection group. And our connection groups are our small group studies that get together. And they'll, they'll, have, uh, they'll talk about a sermon or they'll talk about a, a book of the Bible. They'll, talk, they'll go through a study together. And they do life together. And we help each other grow, and we help each other get through the difficulties and trials of life. And if you're not in a group yet, we want you to get in a group. And, if, and our, our groups start up again this week. Uh, and if you're not in a group yet, I want you to talk to Brandon. He's our associate pastor, the bearded guy who plays guitar over here. Then I want you to talk to him after the service today. He'll be right down here, and you can come talk to Brandon and say, Brandon, I need to get in a group. I'm not in a group yet, and I need to know what group I can get into, and we'll get you in a group as soon as we can. Because it's very important that we have groups uh, that help each other grow and, and grow in faith. So grouping is, is an important part of what we do here at, GP, at GFCC. Uh, the second, P, uh, the P stands for praising. And this basically means we want you to come to church. And not so that our numbers look good and not so that we can brag about how many people come to church here. That's not what we do that for. We want you to come to church because we believe that this is where uh, you're going to fellowship with other Christians on a, on a, on a bigger basis basis. Uh, This is where you're going to encourage each other and strengthen each other outside of your groups. Uh, This is where we're going to praise the Lord and we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done in our lives. This is where we're going to tell God how much we love him and we're going to thank him for all that he's done in our lives. Getting together as a church family is an important thing to do. And so we want you to come and we want you to be consistent in your church attendance coming and praising God with us. And finally, uh, the S stands for serving. And if you're not serving in a ministry yet, we need to get you in a ministry. Because when you serve alongside somebody else, you're going to help them grow and they're going to help you grow. And when you serve alongside someone else, you're going to help the church grow. And we're going to reach more people and share with them the good news that Jesus loves them and that he died for them and that he rose again. And that's what we do. And that's what we think is really important, this idea of GPS. So Jesus is the way. And if you want to find the way, you need spiritual GPS. And you're going to find that through grouping, praising, and serving. Secondly, we believe that Jesus is the truth. And like I said, Jesus will never lie to you. You may have had people in your life who have lied to you. It may be a a spouse or or an ex-spouse. It may be a, a child or a parent. It may be a friend who betrayed you. 
It's somebody in your life that you feel like you just can't trust people anymore because somebody lied to you, a church lied to you, or, or like I said, a friend lied to you, or your parents lied to you, and you feel like you just can't trust people anymore. Well, let me tell you something. You can trust Jesus because Jesus will never lie to you because Jesus is the truth. And when he says that he loves you, he means it. You may have had somebody in your life say, I love you, and then they turn their back on you, and they lie to you. Jesus will never turn his back on you. He will never lie to you, and he will never turn away from you. He will always love you and always accept you, and he will always welcome you into his arms. Jesus will never lie to you. And so it doesn't matter who's lied to you in the past, and I know it hurts, and I know people have hurt you in the past, Jesus will never hurt you. And though his people may hurt you, and, and we're imperfect, but Jesus is perfect, and he will always tell you the truth. He will always tell you the truth. And sometimes we may not want to hear the truth. Sometimes we may not want to hear that we're sinners. But the fact is we're sinners, and we need salvation, and we need forgiveness, and we need grace. And Jesus is the source of salvation, forgiveness, and grace. Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. He is the Zoe. He is the one who can give life to your life. And you may be searching for life in all kinds of places, in a bottle, in a needle, in a person, in, 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 in a relationship. You may be searching for life in all kinds of places, but the only place you're going to find true, abundant, never-ending, eternal, everlasting life is in Jesus Christ. And he gave his life for you, and he gave his life for me so that we could have eternal life. And we could have not just the promise of eternal life in heaven, but that we would have eternal, that eternal life begins here and now. You can have real life in this life before the next life. You can have real life here and now. Abundant life, joyful life, cheerful life, life that never ends. And you can have that through Jesus, because Jesus is the life. Jesus is the way. He is the hados. Jesus is the truth, the aletheia. And Jesus is the life, the zoe. And, and if you don't know Jesus yet, we want to offer you an invitation to get to know him. And that can start today. That if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ by believing in him, turning away from your sins and repenting and, and living for him, confessing your faith and getting baptized, God will wash away your sins in that very moment. And he will cleanse you and purify you and give you the promise of eternal life and fill you with his Holy Spirit. Jesus will never reject you. He will never turn away from you. He will always love you and always welcome you. And if you're ready to take that step of faith, we invite you to do that today.